This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Mint Mobile. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, November 30th, 2023, and I have the awesome Miles Franklin from the TikTok and YouTube world. Hi, Miles. How are you? I'm doing good. I wish it was a little bit brighter outside right now, but you know what? It is what it is. You're looking pretty bright to me. I'm <laughs> facing a window, and uh, as a lot of light, I have to crank the brightness on my MacBook to max here. But uh, listen, I wanted to have you on to talk about this week's news. There's a bunch of phones coming out in China that will eventually make it to North America or the West, at least, not necessarily North America. But anyway, because the chips came out early this year, so they're starting to trickle out. There's some OnePlus 12 news. That's going to definitely be interesting to us. But I also want to kind of pick your brain and get your story and your experience around this whole, you know... The teenagers apparently are flocking to iOS and droves. Android is being left behind. Will Saddleberg wrote an article about that. I'll put a link in the show notes. And I've observed this myself, but I'm wondering, you have a completely different age group as your audience. What are you seeing, you know, happening out there with that? I um so I have a worldwide audience that I feel that many creators might have if they're talking about tech and I talk about it personally because in the westernized US society we see a lot of this change in terms of people who are buying said devices I think it was over 80% of my generation buying iOS devices compared to any person above the age range of like 25 right uh, and it's been a problem that I've discussed, but many people outside the U.S. don't see the problem at all because they're more reliant on different messaging services. If that might be WhatsApp or sometimes iMessage, not much, or pretty much any other Internet messaging service. So they don't really see it. But I've been seeing it for the past eight years, pretty much ever since iOS started implementing iMessage as their de facto messaging service. And the fact that when I think it was after the iPhone 4S, when more people started getting iPhones in my generation, just because of the age and timing. Yeah. So, I mean, to kind of like summarize a little bit for the folks who are wondering what we exactly were talking about, we're really talking about this iMessage divide that exists in North America primarily, right? Basically, um, the reason it seems that teenagers are on a majority on iOS devices right now or iPhones is because they don't there's peer pressure. They don't want to be left out of the blue bubble, right? They want to be uh, an iMessage user in North America and in Canada, I see that as well. So that means that because of that, they're just not going to pick Android, right? Because that's just not going to give them some green bubbles. And, you know, for somebody that's like me, has been around for years, like I've seen peer pressure when I was in high school too, for other things, completely non-technological things, but I saw it too. And I'm kind of amazed that it's such a strong thing, but at the same time, I'm also not surprised. But I'm wondering, why do you think this is such a US thing? And why do you think, or rather, how do you think we can potentially break out of that, especially in light of Apple bringing RCS to the table soon? Um, although it won't be encrypted. so And they've already said, I think they're going to keep the green bubble. So like, yeah. where do you see all this evolving? And, you know, is there a solution? Should there be a solution? Do we care? Like, you know. You know, um, I'll go like uh, question by question. And 
I think the reason why in the U.S. we have such a divide is just the inherent way kids of younger ages, I would say, digest content and how they see certain things in society. And if certain popular people are using certain devices, most likely those people would try to be using the same devices to be the same as they they are. Like that's just we're following the uh, following the leader at this point. But that wasn't the only thing because it almost became a joke to have a green bubble in any type of uh, cultural relevancy. Like we see it in songs, we see it in shows, we see it in YouTube videos, we see it in any person talking about Android and iOS. It's like, oh, you got a green bubble. It's it's just what it is. And then add to the fact that the green bubble would mean a worse messaging uh, way. Experience. Experience. Let's compared- face it, it is, right? I mean, I have- It's my, worse. I'm, I'm mostly on Android. My spouse is mostly on iOS. And, you know, I see it. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to RCS, even if it's not encrypted, just to get the high resolution photos. You exactly. Know? I think, I mean, it's it's funny because that is a big part, right? And there's some other aspects, but it, I, this whole thing also went back to my own family. Definitely not in my generation, but they, uh, me and my dad were on Android for a majority of the time and they made me switch my dad to an iPhone mainly because they wanted to have the higher uh, image resolution and video sharing just because when my dad want to send anything, it would be a pixelated mess. Yeah. Um, and it would just be like, you need a switch. And Keep in mind, half my family was on Android beforehand. They all slowly switched over, mainly because of that and other reasons why. But I think the biggest one was iMessage because we want to share our memories in the best way possible without having to degrade our experiences and not be able to send things over the way we want it to be sent over. And that experience, even from Android to Android before RCS was enabled, was a thing we notice all the time. And People always come back to saying, it's like, well, I don't use iMessage and this goes back to outside the U.S., but like majority of people in the U.S., they have that issue. Um, but bringing it back to, I would say, my generation and how it goes about, as I was saying, they follow the leader. They want to have what's popular. Um, but then you have to add to the fact that green bubbles would ruin text group chats and all that stuff. Um, you oh, couldn't add that, and yeah. get rid of it. That That's a big one. That's a big one. I mean, people would still text me because I had an Android phone for a majority of my life. But they would straight up tell me, "You well, yeah, we didn't include you in this group chat because you're going to ruin it. And honestly, they were not wrong. They were not wrong. No, no, I get it. <laughs> uh, because they couldn't add and get rid of people. Say somebody said something, I don't want them in the group chat anymore. They would have to start a whole new group chat if I was in it. And they would lose all their images, all their searches, everything. So it's just add on that on top, on top, on top. Uh, and then I actually started implementing different services like uh, Pigeon Games, which at that time would be like you playing games with other people at school. If you're bored, didn't have that. So it just slowly became a force that was pretty much unstoppable because everybody was switching to it. How big is FaceTime part of that equation? FaceTime, I feel like it was bigger back then. But I feel like every dang app nowadays has a like a has a video chat alternative. And I'm going to be honest with you. My FaceTime has been bugging out a lot. And I don't think it is as big as it was back then. But it was a big part back then. I mean, but I think the green and blue text was just the inherent differences between them was a big push for many people. I think you make a really good point about the fact that pre-RCS, the Android messaging experience sucked. and. Mm-hmm. That was a big contributor, right? Like I'm, and also the group's chat features, as you mentioned. I think that um, I have a theory about why the rest of the world doesn't quite have the same polarization here. And it's because, I don't know if you know this, but in the rest of the world in the 90s, when GSM was starting to roll out the, the digital, basically digital cell technology, 2G, mm-hmm. 
um, messaging was the first like non-voice feature, right? Mm. And in the rest of the world, it was really expensive to do calls, but it was really cheap to text SMS. And more importantly, anybody who received a text, it was free. Like, why would yeah. you be penalized? Somebody sends you a text. You shouldn't be dinged 10 cents a message <laughs> because that's how much it was yeah. back then, right? Um, because somebody randomly texted you. So in, the, in Europe and stuff, it was free to receive, pay to send, but way cheaper to send a single SMS than to spend the same amount of time talking on voice. So people, you know, on their T9, remember predictive text? Yeah, I don't I know do. if you've ever had a chance to try I, this out. Even I <laughs> never did this because I was not patient enough, right? But you're typing away um, and people in Europe start doing that. And so very early on, they felt the need to send photos. MMS was invented. They sent photos. They sent videos, really crappy ones because the phones had crappy cameras. But then what happened next was interesting because they're like, okay, now we have data, we have 3G, right? So mm -hmm. now we can actually create apps, right? Like WhatsApp, right? So they did that because they're like, well, this MMS stuff is crap. We can't send high quality. So they were there way before iMessage even existed. So exactly. they started adopting things like WhatsApp and whatever before, or in, you know, in Japan, it was Line, in, in, uh, in China, it was WeChat, way before we, the West, decided, oh, hey, this is cool, we should do it, right? Yeah, I think that's why. I, I think um, going back to what you're saying is that I, I see a lot of people coming from different countries uh, migrating to the U.S. or the same people are saying like, why do you guys not use, uh, uh, I would say, WhatsApp or in this case, WeChat, people are coming from China and they look at us like we're kind of dumb. Like, <laughs> they're like, how could you not? You're like, this is inherently the better version of texting but then because as it you works said, with everything it works with everything uh but we didn't have that nor did we use it at all until later on but that's when iMessage was already becoming the de facto messaging service in our area or in our location it's just crazy because i always kind of go back to how apple was smart as can be to do that they were they knew the they knew what would happen if it happened uh, that uh went down but it, it really made me angry that android itself didn't have their own version that they I wouldn't say forced upon, but mandated on Android itself, knowing that we can see from our younger generation just buying habits of what was happening six years ago. If we just look at that, um, we have failed messaging services and all that back then too. But like, it just goes, um, it it's, goes back to this whole thing. It's like lock you in. I agree. For better, you. for worse. I think Google tried multiple times, but failed because they didn't have the momentum because the... I don't know. There are a number of reasons. The manufacturers didn't include the app. The carriers didn't implement it properly. I think what made iMessage work so well is that it bypassed the carriers. Yeah, right? it's just, yeah. It's just data. And um, in a way, that's also how it, they actually broke text messaging. Like, I'm really actually mad at Apple, not for, well, it's sad that we're in a situation where pe young people especially feel, you know, pushed towards or having an iOS yeah. and an iPhone, right? Like because of the, the shame of the green bubble. It's sad that we're there. But even way before that, you rewind to the early days of iMessage. I was irate. I remember ranting about this on the podcast saying, this isn't right. Apple, what Apple is doing is technically very good. Like in the sense that using data makes sense, like WhatsApp does too. But they did it such a way that it was breaking because it was breaking Android, like, and that's why yeah. I was I was so against it. I was like, you can't do that. It's not it's not a standard. And unfortunately, a lot of things have gone 
away from standards <laughs> since then, as you know. Yeah. Uh, but back then, that was a big deal. And um, also the fact that you have to, you know, disable the whole thing if you want to switch to Android or whatever. I mean, this to me seemed like Apple could have done, I think, a better job somehow. I think they should have made just a pure VoIP data-driven thing mm -hmm. that doesn't integrate with texting. And people have switched anyway, right? Because, I mean, they're like, and then they could have made a, an, an Android version, but of course that was never going to happen. But, you know, I always think the way they went upon it is exactly the way many of these failed Google attempts should have gone the exact right. same way. Like, so, like, with Apple integrating it directly into your messaging app, there was no going around it. You were going to use it or not. Like yeah. you're going to have iMessage or you're going to use SMS and you didn't really know what the heck was like the two gateway different bubbles. drug, right? Like you started sending a text message and you were on iMessage and all of a sudden you had, you had the blue bubbles and you well, were in business. That's, that's what I'm saying though, is that the reason why I think Google's messaging ones fail because they never forced it upon their users. Now we saw with, um, we had Google Allo, we had Google Hangout, we had so many, right? But every single one of them, they had the, technology behind it but it was never forced really upon it because we still use google messages or samsung messages or whatever messaging service your phone came with and i think that was the biggest downfall because apple forced it upon users and then it became what you were no like you knew that was a regular that's how it's going to go down i never had an issue i never thought about downloading another app so i think that was a, to me the biggest problem uh and I always go back to this. I know Android is this free open platform, but sometimes you need to do certain things. I mean, now we're seeing with Google messages and now they're saying you need to kind of have that as a main messaging one now for more devices in America. Like with right. Samsung, it's like we're using that OnePlus, all that fun stuff. But it's a little bit too late. And this yeah. kind of goes down to the next part where you're talking about like, what can we do that? <laughs> there's so many. It, it's it's the <laughs> I've talked about this on my own page being like Android's in big trouble in the next coming years and people want to say that well not coming years like coming let's say decades if anything is still at the same way they have now with smartphones and all that because this next generation my generation and generation below that none of them are buying android phones yeah nobody is <laughs> so do you think at least you know your audience you have a, probably a much broader audience in terms of tech savvy versus more like you know mainstream than i do like my audience is global but is mm -hmm. a little older, uh, younger than me, but older than you. Yeah. Um, it's mostly men, although I'm trying really hard to include women <laughs> in my show to get more, you know, women uh, listeners, hopefully. But in terms of user base, most get this. Most of my podcast is listened to on Apple Podcasts, mm -hmm. even though we spend most of our time discussing Android on the show. Um, so it's interesting to see the numbers, right? Because you're like, okay. Um, but just to to kind of summarize, I think for me, what's interesting is your audience might be not necessarily as tech savvy. Do you think that things like folding phones and other form factors could potentially sway people if Apple doesn't do it? Because Apple right now does not look interested in doing a folding yeah. phone at all. I, I mean, I've talked about foldable phones quite a bit and, and they have quite a bit of traction. Most of the phones I talk about on my page. Uh, I see it more with the flip style phones than the folding style phones. I agree. Where yeah. the younger generation, I mean, on TikTok, not just myself, but with other creators making content, everybody's like, this flip phone's like the one that makes me want to change. But the problem is, is that when they do change, it's not a great experience going from a, I would say, 
flagship level iPhone to a flip style Samsung 100%. phone. 100%. Yep. And I think that is, to me, the marketing for the flip is good and bad because they want to pitch it as this creator's dream phone. But then you don't have the camera specs to back it up. You don't have the battery to back it up. And it's like people are switching from a flagship iPhone to this and they're expecting the same experience. Inherently, it's never going to be the same experience. It's just because of the size of the device and what they're able to put into it. Um, But I have been seeing a big sway in terms of how people are reacting to folding phones. But I don't think it's going to be the one that takes the cake and really changes what people my age are buying. And it all goes back down to what we have in software with Apple and what they've caused people's preconceived notions to it's be ecosystem. and how they come in. It's, it's I wouldn't ecosystem. even say it's ecosystem. I, I think it's the fact that it just works, right? right. Yeah. And I will always say on Android, you can do anything an iPhone can do really at this point. Everybody has their own versions. They all do the fa- same stuff. But when you have Apple forcing you to do certain things, that becomes what you're used to. And if you're not forcing those same things, they're not kind of like the software is making you go about doing them, like saying, as I said, with iMessage or FaceTime, it's like, oh, you have to kind of like, oh, toggle on RCS and do this and do that. Well, that's like something as a person switching between devices. I can see how people not, might not want to switch to that. It's just there has to be some sort of basis that Google implements to make manufacturers have a similar experience across their devices to make it more simplified, but make it so you don't want to leave. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I, I think I would like to add to what you said earlier that switching from a flagship iPhone to a flagship flip folding phone is a bad experience. I agree. My spouse experienced that. They both have an iPhone and a, a Z Flip because we have two phone numbers, two residences, yeah. two countries. They wanted to try it. They really love the form factor, but they yeah. really hate Android. They really hate the complication um, of using you know, of using it. But the other thing is I would argue that switching from a flagship iPhone to even a normal non-flip flagship Android is a bad experience. And this is coming from me as an Android user. I am highly acutely aware of the things you just talked about. It, It, first of all, it depends on the flavor of Android, what experience you have, right? Yeah. Like, like Samsung is different from Google, which is different from it's Moto cool. and, <laughs> and OnePlus. Let's, let's pick US-centric devices yeah. here. Like, just the differences alone. Like, when you try, you know, if you tell your friend, if you, an iPhone user, not you, Miles, but you, an iPhone user, tell your friend, hey, this is how you attach a photo to your email. You can walk them through that, and it's going to be the same on every iPhone right? Pretty mm-hmm. much. Unless they have a really old version of iOS. Of course. And and on Android, it's like, oh, what what platform are you on? Because, oh, Google does this different than, you know, than uh, Samsung, than OnePlus. I've run uh-huh. into this so many times now where I'm like trying to explain to people how to do something and they're like, I don't see any of that. And I'm like, oh. Well, that's why I think the inherent issue is, is that every one of these devices are slightly different in the way they do certain things on their own platforms. Uh, and I always say it's like this is this is just what comes with Android. Like, let's be this is what happens when you have an open source platform that you can do whatever you want and you can do whatever you like your company wants to do. But I, I think that hurts it. Like, I really, to me, think that hurts the way people experience device, because whenever I, I say people are like, oh, if I want to switch to an Android phone, what do I want to switch to? I was like, if you want the smoothest experience. From the way you're used to to the way you're doing it now, I'm like, go pixel any day. Like, uh, that's 100 to me. It's the easiest transition. If you want something that's a little bit more, everything in the kitchen sink, go Samsung. But like other platforms, it's like 
you can, but then I also have to think about, can you get this phone repaired if you want to? What is going to be the back end? What's going to, how is the daily user experience across different apps like? And, and this is the part that's really hard because you can have the best specs on any phone, but if the inherent base usability is not easy and comprehensible, that ruins the experience. I, I That's what I always say. And I, I think that going back to like, you're saying the flagship one. I think the flagship ones, regular slap phones are an easier switch than the flip. I just think the flip is it's it's hard for somebody to go if unless they're going from an older iPhone, if they're going from like a 14 Pro yeah, right, or right. like a 13 Pro and you're going to a flip, you will see the disadvantages instantly. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going from like a let's say a 10, 11 to a flip, then you're like, yeah, it's not that big of a difference. But like when you're getting up to those newer ones where people are buying because they're on those two year or three year contracts and they're seeing this phone, they're like, this is so cool. It's such a new feature set. And they get it. They're like, why does the front camera looks like, like look, uh, look like this? Oh, well, you can use the rear cameras. I'm like, but no, you, that, that's a whole nother thing. I was like, every time I talk <laughs> to manufacturers and they're like, why do you care about front facing cameras? I'm like, you do not realize how important it is. More important to me and many people than the rear camera most of the time because they're using that front camera so often. Right. Yeah, especially if you, you know, do selfie TikTok stuff, right? Like, I mean, do you want the best possible camera in the front? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And I, I, I was talking um, to some people about it. It's just like the flip. It's like, I get it. You can take the photo on the other screen. But at the same time, I want the experience to look great on the front camera, on those two rear cameras when I want to take a selfie with that. I don't want to have to rely on that outside screen because, hey, if I'm doing, as you said, uh, recording on Instagram or recording on TikTok, if I'm doing like that and I'm using the front face camera, I'm sorry, I'm not getting the same quality. It, it looks subpar. 100%. You, might, you can go on that rear set of cameras and it looks great, but I, I think until those flip styles become at the same caliber as those flagship slab phones, then it'll be a better conversation. But it just right now, I don't think it's going to be changing many people over to Android, even though it is a cool style and people are very interested. I've seen a lot of videos of people saying when they switched over, it wasn't the best time. So here's my thought. Like, I don't think I think you're right. Like, this is not going to change. I think uh, iOS iPhone is going to dominate in North America for years to come. Yeah. But. I also have seen, because I've been around long enough now, how old things come back or oh. things that are, you know, at the fringe, aka Android in this case, because that, you know, five years from now, it'll really be at the fringe, I think, um, are like cool again, right? They're like, oh, you're trying, you're being different. You're not going with the herd. And I think in that <laughs> sense, that plus folding phones that are not, I don't think they're going away. I think they're going to become yeah. much better. And I think that eventually it won't matter whether you buy a slab or a folding they're phone. They're going to be identical, right? Yeah. No, I, could, I mean, we I saw mean, we're seeing V2. this with the Open, right? The Open is almost as good as a regular phone. Or um, the Honor V2. It's like they're getting right. to the point it's a negligible difference in terms of like performance between the devices and i completely agree with that um and i've been seeing if it's from motorola for the razor they're targeting very much different type of influences for the promotion of their device they're doing more lifestyle and kind of heart uh going back to that mm, look how cool this is like change your style and things like that um and it's very interesting to see because yeah history does repeat its repeat itself but the problem is that person might switch then Will they stay there yeah. in a year or two? Yeah, it's a, a very different question. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even thinking about a year or two. I'm thinking five years from now. Like, 
there'll be like this resurgence of like, we want to be cool and different and we don't care about iMessage because we're all using goggles and glasses anyway, you know? But no, I'm saying though, like if that person switches to that device in five years, I'm not saying like in one or two, I'm like saying in five years, are they going to have the software in place to make them want to stay there? That's That's, what I'm saying. That's (laughs) a very big question. Yeah, we don't know. Like to me, I mean, I've talked to so many people that are older than me about this issue and they're like, we don't understand. I'm like, you guys do not understand how much push just like a collective uh, voice is like some people just don't don't realize. And they're like, well, why should we worrying about that? Why should we worry about the front face camera? Why should we work about third party things? Why should we worry about all this stuff? I'm like, you guys don't realize that little taste that they have and it's bad. They will switch immediately, immediately, especially with uh, Gen Z, like my generation. Like if they don't like something, they will do whatever they want to get away from that. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we don't know. And uh, it's it's a thing. Um, I want to move on to the news items, but um, I'll put the story from Android Police from Wells Adelberg in the show notes, folks. Read it. It's it's a worth it's a good read. Uh, Wells a great writer. It's a little long, but, you know, bear with it, because I think it's going to give you if you don't really understand this, I think. Miles's audience really understands this, but those of you who might be yeah. listening to my show more regularly might be going, rolling your eyes every time you hear about this. This is an interest, eye-opening article for those of you who don't understand this. So that's why I included it. And I figured Miles would be a really interesting person to talk to about this because we are from a different generation. So there yeah. you go. Um, let's talk about OnePlus 12 because the, it's coming out. Now we know the official launch date is December 5th in China. Yeah. And we have the official colors. So which one is your favorite official color? I do like, um, I think the marble and the green. I'm always a fan of the jade green colorways. I had it on the open. Uh, I didn't have it on the uh, uh, 10T because 10T, I, they didn't give me that colorway. But I really like that. And I, I've been lately feeling that OnePlus is making resurgence in terms of listening to their consumer base on what they want and really going back to that, I wouldn't say flagship killer, but an affordable flagship that provides specs and support that they used to have in the past, right? I feel like the years after, I think it was the 7 Pro and like to the, was it 9 Pro? It was a weird gray period. People were leaving, people were joining. Yep. And they didn't know what they wanted to do, yet they were charging flagship prices for a device that should not be part charging at a flagship price. Um, but after using the um the OnePlus 11 and the OnePlus Open, I kind of like, okay, wait, this is like feeling like older OnePlus again. And the devices Correct. feel good. They don't feel cheap. They feel premium. They're offering feature sets that I like. And overall, even though I know the software is not uh, what Oxygen OS really was in the past, uh, I always forget the names of everything. It's gotten but way better. Like It's it, gotten way better. Yeah, it's gotten way better. And this OnePlus 12, seeing from what the leaks are saying and seeing the colorways is like, I think it's good. It's all dependent on the price and distribution and how people get it, though. For yeah, me. for sure. Um, I'm excited about the white. I mean, I, I've got the green jade or whatever it's called uh, open. And I love it. I love the green colorway that OnePlus It looks so has. good. It's fantastic. I've got the earbuds. I had the tablet. Mm-hmm. The- pad or whatever it's called anyway the point is but this white somehow has really got me excited that's a i have everything for white phones ever since the note 3 i think which was one of the first white phones you can get in the u.s but um the other thing that is this is not confirmed but so we know the colors for sure we know the launch date in china 
the next two things are not as uh, as confirmed. One is that the cameras are going to be identical to the OnePlus Open or Oppo Find N3. Not mm -hmm. surprised about that. But the other yeah. one is that the launch date might be in late January. According to somebody in India, it looks like we're looking at the 23rd or 24th. So two questions for you is, first of all, I mean, I assume you're not really too upset about the cameras. I'm not. I think this is great. They're, yeah, uh, they're, if you don't want a folding open. phone, you want to spend less money, you want to slab with the same cameras, the cameras are so good, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. And the other thing I was going to ask you about is beyond the cameras, how do you feel about the that seven weeks or whatever? <laughs> it kind of drives I me mean, nuts, honestly. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, we see it from other companies too, other than just like OnePlus. I, I hate no, when they sure. announce a device and then you don't hear anything about it for to like a month or two after. And I, I just think when a product is launched or like announced, right, that should have a timeline of a week or two after when people start getting into their hands. Because I feel like you got to keep that hype train going for that month, right? So when it's like... um say seven weeks and you're going through uh december and all that stuff when a lot of things are happening in just every part of the like every category i think it kind of will lose a little bit of its flair until it comes back because we just have a lot of things as you said everything got pushed up literally everything got pushed up well i think for us creators it's a problem because you know if ben sin goes to hong kong and gets the one plus 12 yeah. And does a video. Like, no offense, I love Ben. I'm actually really looking forward to his video, to be honest. <laughs> but like, I'm just using Ben as an example, not as, I'm, I'm not scapegoating him or anything here. But it's just more like, you know, where's the magic for you when you get your OnePlus 12 and you have a huge audience? Yeah. Or for me, when I review it for hot hardware, which will probably what is going to happen, right? I mean, yes, there are some things that are software specific that we need to test on the US model. For me, uh, hot hardware is really high on benchmarking and performance. Yeah. So I'm going to be running all the benchmarks, doing, you know, things like, you know, uh, stability tests, like running games for a long time to see the thermals and stuff. But that's, you know, that's not as exciting to me as as the kind of the big reveal, which is going to happen seven weeks earlier, right? It's just like, ugh. I, I think the... <laughs> This kind of goes, I, I know I'm bringing, uh, this is bringing up Apple again in a sense that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, this brings up the whole thing. It's kind of going back to the updates thing is that when you have a product or software drop all at the same exact time and everybody's experiencing at the same exact time, people want to know about it. When you spread it across different updates, if that might be Samsung, or if that might be some things with the carriers, when your devices get updated over the course of months, people aren't as hyped up for that update because they don't have it yet, right? Um if you launch a device and it's coming to one market at one time and you have some people talking about it, but not that many people, you're not having that big push that you probably would want, which I think is inherently not a smart marketing move, right? You yeah. want as much push from every person possible to have that news coverage for that X amount of time. Now, you might be saying, well, we spread it out. We can have more news, but there's always something else coming out in between so say somebody talks about some new product at the, at the end of the year when the china launch happens well then you just got your first news cycle pretty much done because you don't have the biggest creators talking about it right so that was already half the things out and then come later in the year who knows what might be coming out the same exact time yeah right? i think look having worked with chinese companies as a consultant like i don't think that the west 
Western branches of OnePlus and Xiaomi and and all the others can do anything about this. China is going to be course. China, and they're going to dictate the terms. And what I think, I'm not quite sure how to resolve this problem, short of maybe getting us devices at the same time as China with early software, maybe, yeah. you know, something like that. Um but it's a it's a hassle, and it's not ideal. Marketing wise, it's a disaster. Absolutely, I agree with you. But I don't think we can change that. Like China is just going to do their thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not even only China now. This is swaying away from phones. We see it in car mar- uh, manufacturers. We see it yeah, with yeah. South Korea. We see it with Germany. They have the cars for a year before they give it to the U.S. market, right? Yeah. And like, I'm like, oh well, dang. Uh, like, say I'm looking <laughs> at a new car, and then I can see it in Europe, and I'm like, well, I need a car now. It's like, well, now I know there's a new one coming out. Then I just. It's the same thing with smartphones. It's like, oh my God, like, why are y'all spreading this so far along? Like, I, I want to know about it now. I want to, yeah. like, I want to learn about it, but I can't because either it's a different type of device that's slightly different for a different market, or you just nobody's talking about it. And there's some people that some that might have it in the Western market because they go get it from uh, the Chinese market. It's just, I don't think it's a smart move. I, I never, I never yeah. think it is. And we see so many factors that I realize that like Apple does, they launch it everywhere. Samsung now is doing it more like launching everywhere. I mean, they kind of did a little bit of things in the past, but I mean. But notice Samsung is a Korean company, not a Chinese company. Oh, I yeah, think this I, yeah. is really right now, in the last few years, that, that gap has grown. Oh, it's yeah. it's mostly around the Chinese flagships. Yeah. Not to mention all the Chinese flagships we don't get. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. they keep the best to themselves, like the Ultra for the Xiaomi, right? So um, the next one I have is like, we're going to stay on BBK group for a little bit here. Um, The Realme GT5 Pro. So now this is something we'll never see in North America, but it's going to be a global launch eventually. It's coming on December 7th. I believe it's China only. I should be getting a device. I don't know if it's a global or Chinese model. But what's interesting to me here, Miles, and I kind of want your thoughts on this, is, you know, I'll I'll put a link to the charging specs leaked. And and obviously, you know, the the GT non-pro is a 240-watt charging, right? So it's got got a lot more uh, oomph. But this is 100-watt, but it does include 50-watt wireless charging, which I think is the first time Realme is doing wireless charging on any device. Actually, this is the first time that Realme is kind of in the Oppo OnePlus territory of making a flagship. It's supposed to have a a massive IMX 890 telephoto here for the camera system, so periscope camera. So my mm-hmm. point is we've never seen Realme go that high end. Yeah. And of course, if they're doing wireless and wired, they're not going to put the 240 watt in there. I'm not surprised. But what's your take on Realme kind of cozying up to their siblings, OnePlus <laughs> and Oppo, with a flagship that seems really high end and might not come to the global market? I, I think um, we've been saying that across, I feel like the BBK group. I mean, I th- First, like uh, Oppo was like the flagship flagship, then OnePlus started like slowly becoming the same thing, right? And they started sharing designs and all that. And with Realme coming in, I'm guessing it'll be a slightly cheaper price point as as they'll more of the affordable offering. I don't think it's bad at all. It's another five hundred dollars is what we're hearing for this. Thing. Yeah, Snapdragon eight Gen three, crazy cameras, wireless. Tra- I mean, wow, right? That's yeah, that's a good spec sheet. I, China, I don't think it's China, of course. Um. But I, I would rather have competition than not competition, if you have, even if it might be under the same company brand. Because as we've seen in the past, and as we're not really seeing it in America anymore, competition breeds innovation and it breeds better products. 
we don't really have that happening as much in the U.S., I feel like, because we don't get many of these Chinese uh, phones into America, uh, which is very just to me sad because there's really only four main flagships here. And one of them is not really a main flagship because it's not sold at uh, carrier stores. Um, right. And I don't think it's bad. I think it's a good thing to have because yeah. it just gives people more options. And I would hope because they're under the BBK group that they would have not the not. I mean, I would hope they would have similar software. So if you were to upgrade, so if you've to, ever used a Realme, it's exact same as ColorOS. Yeah, it's I just called It's called Realme UI, but it, it's almost you could put the side by side and it's ColorOS. Well, that's almost like we look at. Uh, I love. I always go back to cars because it's very similar in how they do all this stuff. Uh, you have like Lexus and Toyota. Toyota kind right. of gives you almost the Lexus experience, but if you want to go a little bit higher end, you can. So it'll be like Realme to Oppo, like in China. So like, oh, I want to go a little bit more high end. I'm gonna go to the Oppo devices. It's similar software, same different type of name, but the same thing, right? So I don't see a problem with it at all. Cool. So the next one we have, I forgot to mention this entire phone line last week. It was actually Mm -hmm. came out in time for last week's show and I kind of completely forgot that to include it. It's (laughs) the the Oppo Reno 11 uh, series. So the Reno has always been the upper mid-range or the the mid-range meat of the Oppo lineup. Like if you have money and you live in India or whatever, you you will buy the fine series, right? The the Mm -hmm. flagship flagship. But if you want the best bang for your buck, still get like close to flagship specs, but want to spend a little less money on the Reno series. And the Renos, they literally come out with a new one every six months. Uh, Like we just got the Reno (laughs) 10 not long ago. I used to have them all. And after the Reno 8, I lost it. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So send me every other one now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people uh, ask me about it. Uh, I unfortunately don't get all those devices because they ask me about what about Oppo? What about Realme? What about Xiaomi? What about Huawei? And I was like, I don't get those devices mainly because of my market where I'm based in obvious reasons. Um, But yeah, no, (laughs) Oppo, I always forget how big Oppo is overall in different countries and how many devices that they sell. They're huge because people ask me about it all the time. And I'm like, I wish I could talk about it, but the only equivalent I have is OnePlus, which you guys don't have, right? Because that's almost like a rebadged version in most of the cases of a Oppo flagship, which isn't bad. I don't mind that for like the more American and Europe markets. So, I mean, Oppo, I mean, I've never really heard bad things about Oppo. I feel like they've been really stepping up their game in many different price categories. And I have been hearing about Reno, but I just, I don't talk about them or get hands on, uh, hands on with them ever i've actually never touched one before (laughs) yeah i mean they're interesting um they're not like my go-to but yeah like you look at the specs here we're looking at dimensity 8200 for the 11 and for the 11 pro uh interestingly a snapdragon 8 plus gen 1 so they're really saving money there i mean it's a solid chip still but like they're not going quite as high end as they've done with some of the renos in the past yeah um the camera systems are okay but nothing spectacular it's interesting because some years, or I should say some six-month periods, because it's every six months, the Renos are really standing out. Like the 8 was awesome. Uh, the 10 was great. Uh, but sometimes the odd numbers seem to just be like, oh, we need to just relaunch a bunch of phones. Like, Because this doesn't seem like they're putting much effort into it. But I just wanted to mention it because I know a lot of you are in markets where this phone is sold right now. So mm-hmm. if you like your Reno, uh, the latest models have come out in China only for now. India's probably 
like within right weeks. Behind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's a big phone in India, the Reno series. So keep an eye out for it if if it's your thing. Um, I just wanted to mention it quickly because I forgot last week. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next thing from BBK Group is the, uh, the IQ12 that also came out a couple of weeks back and I didn't catch it. The reason I put that back in, at first I was like, it's IQ, whatever you call it, EQ, IQ. <laughs> I don't know how you say that. It's Vivo's sub-brand. So you know how yeah. Oppo has OnePlus and then Realme is kind of its own separate thing, but it's really part of Oppo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Vivo has its sub-brand, which is IQ, EQ, whatever. Yeah. The 12 is a flagship. But that's reason. Like I looked at the specs. And I'm like, wait a minute. This thing is insane. Mm-hmm. Look at the specs on this thing. It's like almost as good as a Vivo X series imaging flagship. It's mm. got some crazy features. Snapdragon 8 Gen 3. It's got a quad HD AMOLED LTPO display. Um, it's got like tons of RAM and storage. Uh, cameras are multi-megapixel, 64-megapixel. Uh, uh, telephoto, that sound familiar to you? OnePlus Open? <laughs> uh, you I know, mean, we are seeing a little mix of them. It's I did a, see it's this a device. 3X optical periscope. Mm, I wonder why. 50-megapixel uh, ultrawide. Um, and yeah. then, you know, what's the main sensor on that? A 50-meg... Oh, this is interesting. This is the first time we've seen a large size sensor from Omnivision, which usually makes kind of crap sensors. So I'm wondering if they're finally realizing that they need to compete with Samsung and Sony sensors mm. uh, and, and testing this out with this, with this camera. So we'll see. I'm getting a device soon. So they haven't sent me an EQ in a while, but I figured I'd try to get this one. And so I'll let you know how that main camera works out. But what are your thoughts on this? I love the design. It looks cool, right? It looks, I would say it doesn't look, too plain but it also kind of has a little bit more like sophisticated look that's it it's taking pieces i could see we could see the camera array looks very similar to other devices from like oneplus and all that but like only like slightly different change to it um but the specs look uh, i i this is my first time looking i've seen pictures i haven't really looked at the specs of this uh look quite top notch i mean there's yeah it's not, it's not really missing much of anything <laughs> and i'm guessing it's using that new screen from boe a bo yeah. is it boe yeah boe yeah, it's boe yeah, probably the same screen yeah. we're seeing in the one plus yeah i mean it uh, looks exactly like the same fine x7 yeah um it's it's interesting to me because i love that red like red and gold i think it is is that what it looks like no maybe it's silver i think it's, it's hard silver. to tell if it's a gold but anyway i do like the red Oppo, the Find X2 Pro a few years back, was available with uh, a kind of reddish, like vegan leather and gold metal, actual metal frame. It was Mm -hmm. oh, so hot looking. I kind of want that to come back, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this thing has everything. There's wireless charging here at 50 watt, a wired charging at 100 watt. I mean, like, this is what I'm saying. I saw the specs, I'm like, okay. EQ has come close to doing Vivo level performance and specs, yeah. but this is right in the Vivo meat. Um, yeah, without strange. the camera sensor, really glass, <laughs> it seems like. Right. So China only for now. Um, so hopefully a global, I think the global is coming soon again. This is one mm-hmm. of the first 8 Gen 3 phones. That's part of the reason I want it too. Is because yeah. right now I'm trying to get all my PR reps to race against each other, Miles. <laughs> I've got this phone potentially coming. They haven't confirmed. I have the Red Magic 9 Pro potentially coming, the one that was announced last week. We talked on the podcast last week. Because I'm yeah. trying to get my hands on an 
on HM3. I wish. I used to get devices from Red Magic, and then one of them got stolen. They didn't want to work with me again. Oh, uh, no, that's not your fault. Oh, I know. my pack. The package was stolen and all that. I still made the video for them because I still got someone to give me the Red Magic uh, 7, 7 Pro. Or what was the last one? But whatever the last one was, uh, that brought that new form factor. The yes, eight, the eight, <laughs> the, the eight, eight, eight pro. pro. Oh, so I'm getting, Yeah, that, so I got the eight doesn't pro. Doesn't it feel like the phone from the future in your hand? The it's bezels like a, are so small; it's so rectangular. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. But I haven't gotten. Uh, I didn't get the eight S pro, and I don't think I'm getting the nine pro. And I was like, I didn't have much of a choice with uh, getting stolen. But um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad because they sent me an 8S Pro and I keep telling them like, I can't do two Red Magic reviews a year. Like, because I have bone. so many other things <laughs> on my plate. And so send me the main ones every year, like the new chip, right? Because yeah. the S was just a slightly tweaked version. Um, and I felt bad. I never even took it out of the box. Like oh, I sent man. it right back. Um, but I can't because I generally review them for hot hardware because again, you know, specs, gaming, performance. People and, love the phone. I, and they every love, time and they're sold it. in the US. They're officially supporting yeah. US carriers. That's a so, big deal. I've talked about Red Magic phones and they've garnered a ton of views because people are like, this is so interesting. And they always want me to compare it to uh the ROG phones too. Um and I, I think it's interesting. I, I, the only problem I see is that on the American market, they do jack the price up a little bit <laughs> compared to what is sold in different markets. But I mean, people are always interested because it's always like the bleeding edge in terms of performance, cooling, and what they can get out of those chips when the first ones come out. It always seems like the one that actually holds up without a bunch of throttling just due to weak cooling solutions. Oh, you can turn off the fan on that phone and it'll still do like 99.9 oh, yeah. performance all day long. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, the last couple of items are really a bunch of items kind of lumped together. The K-series from Redmi, the flagship K70 now, mm. is out. And there is a whole bunch here. Like there's a 70, a 70 Pro, a 70E with a Dimensity <sighs> 9300, whereas a 70 a Pro has a 8 Gen 3. There's a mm -hmm. 70 Pro Lamborghini edition with a different industrial design to match the Lamborghini <laughs> brand. And then finally, there's rumors which are pretty accurate because this is literally historically been every time, every year the case that the Redmi mm -hmm. K series abroad, uh, like in Asian markets, comes out in the West as the Poco X series, right? So yeah. the Poco X6 Pro will probably be the Redmi K70e. The E is the one with the Dimensity 9300. So I get generally get all of these. So I will let you know which of the K70 they sent me. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure out which base chip the non-pro and non-E model have. Hang on, I'm just looking at that right now. Uh, the industrial design is slightly different than them. Oh, okay. So it's 8 Gen 2 on the K70 and then 8 Gen bad. 3 on the K70 Pro. Interesting. Ah. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> So what are your thoughts on these? Are you I, into the Redmi's? Have you tried them yet? I'm telling you, any phone that's probably not sold in the US, I have not gone hands on with. But I appreciate and notice a lot with these collaborations uh, with these Chinese brands. And I don't understand why we don't get a lot of those. Like we had uh, Red Magic with Transformers. We have Redmi with uh, the Pro Series. We had Huawei back in with Porsche Design, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, those ones. And I think... Uh, I don't know how these phones would sell in the American market, but I'm like, it, 
whenever somebody talks about it, because I, I forgot they had the Coca-Cola one and they had the Harry Potter one, and people oh, that was re- that was that was real me. The co- I have it. Real me. It's awesome. The Harry Potter. Pe- people love that, and they like yeah. it garners so much attention online. Like, Where did you get this? Oh my god! And just like knowing some people, they will just buy it just because of that, right? Um, so I like to see collaborations. I mean, the K70 Pro it looks like it. It reminds me a lot of the Neo. Uh, the one made by the car company, the Neo flagship, very yeah. similar design, not as rounded, but like camera array and all that. That camera array looks almost like the Neo's identical. camera array for sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's cool to see. Uh, and I still wish a lot of these would come to America just because I said competition wise, because like uh, 4,000 nits of brightness. Uh, that's, that's okay, yeah, that's they're, they're really like, I think there's a brightness <laughs> war happening. As on, I, yeah. I, I think that... <laughs> I'm going to be writing the word seared eyes in my reviews a lot. It, ha- coming it has year. to be because some of these just make no sense. Like, is it really that bright at all? And but the pricing seems pretty much on top. I mean, Redmi is the, the you know, competitive value brand of, of Xiaomi. Mm-hmm. And honestly, these phones, like you look at the 70 Pro here, metal frame, you can see the antenna bands. That's how I know. Um, you know, it's got a, a crazy quad she display it's got um yeah co-developed with tcl how interesting is that yeah that's what i was reading there too and then that's, uh, that's interesting like multi-megapixel like there's a, a 50 megapixel telephoto in addition to the 50 megapixel main the only thing that's mm-hmm. kind of iffy there is the 12 megapixel ultra wide 120 <laughs> watt charging i mean the thing is insane and then the price is like 465 us dollars starting point um which is you know, China only, of course, right now. So, but look, you know, I think it's interesting. <laughs> I was going to say, is it it's just to me, it's crazy how a lot of these American phones, we see every Chinese phone just boosting higher and higher charging speeds. And we only really see OnePlus because I mean, OnePlus is inherently a Chinese company, right? Uh, yeah. Not following suit. And I'm just kind of like, I've, I mean, we always say they have the battery degradation, like according to their testing. I mean, who really knows? I haven't used a device long enough with that charging tech to see if it really degrades faster than they say but i'm like why has none of that really reached the u.s like i mean for a majority of devices i just feel like the charging speed like war that we had maybe like a year ago that's like kind of like plateaued i feel like hasn't come to the u.s market yet like i think because americans are really set in their ways they will charge overnight no matter what yeah so then does it really (laughs) matter and also i think you know I think in markets like India, your phone is your main device, like absolute yeah. your main device, right? And and so it, you're going to carry your charger around with you, even if the charger is a little bulky and special. So you can get that fast speed because you might be in an area where the power is iffy. So if the power grid goes down, you don't have charge. So you want to charge quickly while you have power, things like that, right? And mm-hmm. then you combine that with the, basically what I called opportunistic charging, right? So then you combine that with the fact that the American, the Western kind of customer is used to charging overnight, has reliable power, and more importantly, wants to use kind of standardized power supplies like PG based, right? Yeah. You can't do two four well, you can do two forty watt PD. It no, exists. But, but the really problem expensive. is not on a phone. So right now all the anything over like over sixty six watt basically on a phone is some sort of proprietary charger, right? Like yeah. OnePlus does make a charger that is proprietary, but then if you plug in it into like a MacBook, it supports PD up to 60 watts. So mm-hmm. there are some chargers out there that are dual mode, but my point is generally speaking, we, um, I think most iPhone users are still charging at five watts, Miles, I guarantee you, 100%. Most likely. 
Like, unless they bought like a MagSafe thing or, you know, but they they probably have like a very dusty little <laughs> Five like Apple brick, that brick using. sitting in the back. You know, unless they oh, bought a... I'm not lying, right? Like it's no, you're not. True. <laughs> you're not. So, so people are still is, getting the 18 watt fast charging brick as if it's like a whole new I revolution. Know, I still, know. so what I think is happening is we're so set in that overnight charging at slow charge speeds that we don't need to opportunistically charge as much, right? Because yeah. we don't have the, the the pressures that other markets experience. So that's kind of why I think this is happening. I think that uh, you know, even in in Europe, people don't really charge like in the middle of the day, unless they're really low kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll <laughs> see what happens. What I find interesting here with these phones is that, you know, Redmi making phones with metal frames, like they're going kind of up market in terms of design. I mean, for them. Um, and it's kind of interesting <laughs> to me, right? Like they're, they're like, they're not skimping. This is, this is cool. No. So yeah, I mean, I, I like to see everything go, uh, get more premium, but I also don't want these companies to leave what they are um, built up in terms of a consumer base, like leave that market that they were uh, supplying, right? Yeah. So we'll just have to see. For sure. Um, but the K70e seems to be the, the the kind of the more affordable, more, even though it's got a pretty awesome chipset, a Dimensity mm-hmm. 300, it seems to be more budget oriented like it doesn't have yeah. the, the crazy camera system or the crazy display and it's a lot more affordable starting out at 280 us dollars you know um it's really speaking of, of, of <laughs> xiaomi and poco and 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 you know generally that brand i'm using a phone right now that's really interesting i'll just pull it out so people can see i don't know if it, it will show up but well, I can it see is it. <laughs> a poco c65 109 us dollars that's it and it does everything a phone should do. It oh, has, yeah. it's kind of amazing. 5,000 milliamp hour battery, good. It's got a, one, like the display could, I mean, it looks good, but it's, um, it's only 720p and it's 90 hertz. But yeah, here, I mean, if I, but for a hundred bucks. But <laughs> if, I, if I look, if I bring it up, look, this is in bright sunlight right now. Mm-hmm. Not bad, right? I mean, a lot if you're of buying that. But that that's not a bad quality display. The colors are sharp. There's contrast is good. Then it's got a Helio, so 4G chipset. You know, that's mm-hmm. not going to be crazy, but it does have 8 gigs of RAM and 256 gigs of storage. And it does have micro SD and it does have a headphone jack and it does have NFC so you can do Google Pay. And you know what's crazy to me? What's crazy to me is that we will never get this in the u.s and people that are buying phones that are on the cheap brand are getting these devices that are inherently a whole lot worse i know the g series from moto is is way worse in my opinion um, i i think it's crazy to me because motorola I, I they have been like of course the more budget end option but like they are not cheap for what they're like giving these devices nowadays like it's like the specs are not matching the price especially when you see manufacturers like poco giving these devices pretty decent hardware which you should probably get in this day of age right um and it kind of hurts because like no one it it's that first impression it's like if that was like a phone for 109 bucks did you buy it measure pcs or uh straight talk or mint mobile and stuff like that and you just need a good phone that's cheap it's like you don't have many good options at that price point at all and let me tell you, at 5,000 milliamp hour battery on a 4G chipset, that thing will run three days on a battery. Oh, okay? easily. Like, it's unbelievable. And the other thing is the camera is actually not too bad. It's a 50 megapixel. There's also a 2 megapixel macro. And the, the third sensor, 
actually exists, but we don't really know what it does. Like Poco has <laughs> Sounds like given a price us, at that price. <laughs> Poco has given us zero specs. At first, I thought it was just a fake, but Poco actually <laughs> tells us, no, 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 we wouldn't do that. So it's probably like a VGA depth sensor or something. The, yeah. the point is, though, if... Uh, you know, if you if you look at my Instagram, folks, I will have some photos posted with that phone. It's it falls apart a little in low light, but it does pixel binning. It doesn't have OIS, of course. But honestly, the quality, the two X zoom on it is actually really clean. And overall, brightness, color, exposure, balance, mm-hmm. all that stuff is sorted. And you're thinking $109, right? Now, I think mine is the 8 gig to 56, which I think is 129. That's like, not but bad, I mean, though. come on, like, <laughs> okay, like, and I think those are the initial sale prices because Poco always does that, like the first month, they're a little cheaper. Yeah. But I think the regular price is 129 or 139 on the base 6 gig 128 model. And I think it goes up to 159 for the 8 to 56, as this is like after the sales. But right now, you can buy the 6 gig version for 109, which honestly, like, if I was completely screwed and I needed a phone, this is it. It's not like, bad. It, it is not frustratingly slow like it is definitely not flagship fast but it's not pissing me off when i use it miles which that's considering me, that's, what i have in my pockets every day is kind of incredible right i mean to me that's how i determine a, a device if a device is good it's one that's not annoying me when i'm using it if it's annoying me when i'm using it no matter what price it is i was like no can't do it goes from earbuds to phones to any tech product i use uh if, and i was straight up be people to people i was like this is what you expect this is what you're gonna get this is how I liked or didn't like it. If I if it was so bad that I did not like using it, or it just it didn't uh, fit into my daily routine, it's like I can't I can't really endorse or tell you to buy it. But if something like that one hundred nine dollars that you're using is doing the basic things right, it's not bad. See, Poco's been making a string of these really affordable entry level phones that didn't suck. So when they announced this, I'm like, can I please? Can I please? Because I'm like, I want to see where we're at, right? Because not mm-hmm. everybody buys a flagship, at least not in other markets in the world, yeah. right? Like in Africa, people are not going to buy a flagship. Okay. So it's very important, I think, for us as reviewers to kind of set a, a minimum bar, right? And understand oh, yeah. what that minimum bar looks like, right? And, and that's why. If it's going to be a sucky experience like the Moto G's, and I'm sorry to say this for the Motorola folks who are listening, but I think you you need to optimize the software better on these Moto G's because that's mm-hmm. the biggest problem. Like this thing is slow, but not sluggish. Like you have to slow down your roll when you're using it, well, but that's you what don't I'm saying. feel They're... like it's like lagging. You know what I'm saying? But a 120 hertz display without actually uh, optimizing it won't help the speed feeling on the phone. Like you exactly. can say the specs wise and all that. And I mean, I... <laughs> I haven't used the most recent Motorola flagships, but I've used Motorola's in the past. Maybe it's changed a tiny bit, but they might be boasting these crazy good specs and the flagships are like mid-range ones. But every time I get them, like it has the same issues it's had years ago. Yeah. Right. The, this year, the edges, both the plus and the regular are really solid phones. They've done a really yeah. good job. I think that we've given them so much feedback, you know, to improve that they've listened. The razors are also pretty solid, I feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that they've done a better job, but their G series right now, especially the really cheap ones like that compete yeah. with this don't have NFC. The cameras are Which potatoes. Which is such a cheap thing to They do. feel really sluggish, like to the point where you don't want to use it. Whereas this, I'm like... Every now and then I'm like, okay, hey, this could be better. 
But and this goes back to what I was saying, right? Why would somebody stay with a company if the experience at the beginning is bad at the cheaper end? That's all I'm saying. Exactly. If you're saying uh, with uh, Oppo and uh, Realme, it's like if they're giving you a similar experience but a higher end version later on, it's like oh, you're gonna stay with that corporation, right? You're gonna stay with that product line. But if Motorola is giving you a crappy experience from the beginning, why would somebody want to buy a Motorola flagship when they start to get money? <laughs> exactly. And you know, the nice thing about this phone too is like, it's, it doesn't feel cheap. It's, it's well-made. It's all plastic, right? Plastic Nothing's frame. wrong with Hang plastic, on, like, yeah. You see? But look at it. It doesn't feel or look cheap. It has this kind of nice little kind of like sparkly finish on the back. Mm-hmm. And then a camera bump has some kind of design to it, you know? It's it's not no, bad. Like and and I mean, you know, if I when you first pick it up, you don't feel like, oh my God, this is terrible. You know? Whereas <laughs> yeah, yeah. some Moto G's, I'm like, oh my God, it's terrible. Anyway, moving on, uh Xiaomi 14 Ultra rumors. And really all we know is that the variable aperture, which already exists on the on the 13 Ultra, I believe, and mm-hmm. it ex- also exists as a two choices on the 14 pro which we still don't have because it just came out um it's going to be more variable steps so yeah that's actually pretty exciting to me um when i'm not sure if they're going to one inch sensor or not like staying with one inch sensor but i'm excited about the ultra i, I mean last year's ultra was so I'm, good <laughs> i think we're seeing it from oh my god i just remember the memes of cameras like getting bigger and bigger on the back of these phones and they're actually doing exactly that uh, not just with like the xiaomi ultra but you see with the like find x7 pro like these camera bumps are getting massive but they're i putting mean some- the OnePlus open camera bump is ridiculous oh I, people I, people got on me they're like why is that so big i was like it really shouldn't be but it's Design. really, it's also really good. And yeah, you have a really thin phone. So where are you going to put the cameras, right? I, exactly. But exactly. I, I, um, I love to see these different little, uh, takes on these new camera uh, cameras on these flagship devices, like trying to differentiate it with, uh, variable apertures and all that stuff. And as we get these bigger sensors, it actually becomes a more apparent that you can actually use that feature in more circumstances than we would have bad for when it was like the S7 when I had like the two-step variable aperture. When it didn't really do much, if we're being honest. Like, well, it didn't do much because the sensor was so small. I think that's once what you I'm saying, add, yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. Like once you add a big sensor and then the variable aperture really becomes a thing, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Then because we're useful. It's great to see. I'm looking forward to this phone, even though they didn't send me the 13 Ultra last year. <laughs> I hope they send it to me this year. Miles, we should wrap up. Do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet? All your various social media handles, all your yeah. various content silos. Please tell the world. Every single platform that I'm on, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, is all Miles Above Tech. You can find me anywhere on those. I do primarily short form content. So if you guys want bite-sized information about new products, you can find me on anywhere. And folks, Miles is absolutely awesome. I love his content. I mostly consume you on Insta and YouTube because I don't use TikTok yeah. much. And I really love, like, I, you know, the the whole teenager thing. You talked about this on YouTube recently in a short. Mm-hmm. And I just think you guys should follow Miles. Absolutely. One of the best voices out there for short content. And uh, you know where to find me, folks. I'm at Tankgirl, T-N-K-G-R-L on most social. That's like the comic book character Tank Girl. You just drop all the vowels and you'll find <laughs> me on Twitter slash X, on threads, on Insta, on Blue Sky. And of course, you know, the podcast itself lives at mobiletechpodcast.com or on all the major podcasting platform, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast. So please subscribe, tell your friends. If you can rate or review the show in your app, please do so. 
And uh, YouTube is also a thing for me, a small thing compared to Miles. But for me, it's mostly about unboxing videos and hands-on, like 10-minute video type things. Uh, YouTube.com slash mobile tech podcast. You know how YouTube works. So like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the bell, comment and chat with me and all that stuff. And finally, there's a Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash tankgirl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. If you want to help me out financially, you can get a video version of this podcast in advance, a day or two in advance. You can see Miles. You can see that Pocophone I just showed. And it's very affordable, and uh, that's the big perk I have on Patreon. So consider helping me out with Patreon. There's also other options there. You can also join our Discord server and a bunch of other things. So check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash TNKGRL. And if you don't like Patreon, you still want to help out. If you look in the show notes, there's a link to my website, tankgirl.com, TNKGRL.com. And in there is a little button you can press for PayPal donation. I will accept a $5 coffee or or more if you'd like to help out that would be great <laughs> i also want to thank our sponsor mint mobile you know i review a lot of phones so i'm constantly juggling multiple devices while that's fun it also means i'm spending a lot of money for wireless service on multiple sims thankfully there's mint mobile and that's who i'm teaming up with for today's podcast if you want to save money on your wireless service switch to mint mobile You've probably seen the Mint Mobile ads featuring Ryan Reynolds, but let me quickly tell you how fantastic their service is, especially for tech-savvy early adopters like us. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network. They keep costs low because they sell direct to you online. They cut out the retail stores and salespeople. Why should you pay more than you have to for access to the same network? In my experience testing phones, Mint Mobile delivers the same data speeds and call quality as the big three for a fraction of the cost. Switching to Mint is super easy. Thanks to their eSIMs, you can sign up and activate immediately right on your phone from the comfort of your home. No more standing around waiting in line at a big wireless store. You can keep your current devices and phone number and easily switch services. And if your phone isn't eSIM compatible, Mint will ship you a new SIM card free of charge. The whole process only takes 15 minutes, and if you get stuck, Mint has a great customer service team to get you through it. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus lightning fast 5G and free mobile hotspot. Mint will show you how much data you use each month and recommend plans that save you money. Mint also offers a modern family plan that lets you set up a super affordable family plan with as little as two lines. Use my link mintmobile.com slash mobile tech to get premium wireless starting at $15 a month. Stop paying more than you need on your wireless bill and start saving big with Mint Mobile. And I want to thank you, Miles, for being my guest this week. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute delight to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I enjoyed being on here and talking about all the different topics. Well, we'll have you at some point again in the future. And folks, you know, we'll have another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.